Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, college football fans across the nation around the world. And a few of you are still in uh, COVID quarantine. Good luck. This is Tim May with the Tim May Podcast, aptly named. And, of course, I'm joined every week at this time. Sometimes a lot, sometimes a little, depending on how much I let him talk. Isn't that right, Austin? Well, Boston, you know him as Austin Ward. Isn't that right, Boston? This is your show. You're the boss. I will come on as much uh, or as little as you need. But once you give me a little bit of opening, I'm going to fill the time. Rolling, rolling, rolling. Keep them doggies rolling. He's uh, I let I let Boston ride flank on this herd. Uh, but uh, he does a great job in that regard. But I digress. You know, this is a time when it's – it's really hard for a lot of people to even have a sense of humor because of what's going on in the world, uh, especially even downtown Columbus the last several days and nights, more than nights, uh, you know, the, the protests that are going on. And then maybe some of the shouldn't be connected with the protests, some of the uh, violence and uh, ransacking that has gone on in the name of protests, which, uh, you know, uh, uh, it's been a very interesting, let's just put the way who the, who the protesters are and who the instigators are, I think are two different sets of people. Because I think there are a lot, of, a lot of level heads out there who want to get their points across about uh, what has happened, not just over the last couple of weeks in America, uh, concerning African-Americans, et cetera, what's gone on for not just decades, but maybe centuries. And perhaps now we'll all get to that same table and figure all of this out. But uh, Boston, I had, uh, in that respect, I had, uh, I had, Urban Meyer on, I decided to have Urban Meyer on this week to talk about some things about how coaches should handle these situations with the college football teams. Players now returning, will be returning most of them around the country in the next couple of weeks, including Ohio State on June the 8th, be allowed to return and do some workouts at their college facilities. And, uh, you know, predominantly in the major programs around the country, it's African Americans who, who are involved. And, you know, I wrote a story this week for uh, LettermanRow.com over the weekend with uh, quoting uh, Joshua Perry, but also uh, Ryan Day and some other people who tweeted during the weekend just about, you know, how do you wrap your head around this situation? How do you get ahead of it maybe? But you, there's no way you bury your head in the sand and, for, and think nothing's happening because there's a lot going on. As I said, it reminds me, you know, I'm old enough to remember the late 1960s when you had everything going on. Uh, uh, race riots, Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, being assassinated, Robert, Robert Kennedy being assassinated, but also uh, the riots that followed all that, the burnings around the country of, of cities. And at the same time, the Vietnam War was going on. So kind of equate that with a pandemic. Uh, and, then, uh, and then, man, went to the moon for the first time, you know, and over the weekend, we saw America launch two men into space for the first time in nine years. And yet all this other stuff. And uh, it's just a weird, you know, very little cheer going on and a lot of like uh, a lot of uh, fear. Yeah, it's it's hard to um, really wrap your mind around everything that's happening at, at once, Tim. And for me, a lot of this stuff, I don't 
I don't feel qualified to, you know, weigh in on it. And I'm trying to do a lot more listening and, and waiting and learning, uh, which I think is smart for anything that you don't, you know, have personal experience with or, or firsthand knowledge. Um, and you and I are both fortunate enough to know um, some of these really, really bright guys. You talked to Joshua Perry about it over the weekend. Uh, Robert Landers came in to do our Letterman live show this week and had some fantastic perspective on it. Those are just two examples right there, but yeah. um, you know, I, I'm going to defer to them when, with all this stuff that's going on about what's important. And if we can ever give them our platform at Letterman row or however else social media, any way we can, I want to do that because uh, I've said it and, I'm, and I sincerely mean it. These are some of the finest people that you could ever hope to meet. And it's a privilege to get to cover them. And mm-hmm. so, some of these people, you know, they're, they're hurting. And uh, I, I'm trying to get better at it and understand better how we can help or what we can do or, or say and, and the right way to do it. Uh, and you said, you know, people can't stick their head in the sand. Uh, this is a case where I generally do uh, 99.9% of the time try to stick to sports. I understand that that's why people uh, follow me, uh, why Letterman Row exists to cover Ohio State football, uh, and that that's what they want. But this is – you can't have Ohio State football without these people, these wonderful people uh, who feel that there's been an injustice done and want um, that rectified. And I stand and fully support them. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, I'm constantly just trying to, you know, think about what I'm saying and feeling and, and am I doing it right? And I don't know that I do get it hundred percent right all the time, but I'm trying and, and you and I both know that we want uh, to be there and, and help support any way we can. And we were not uh, going to completely ignore this, even if, you know, and I don't know, posting a hashtag or using Twitter or social media account, I, I was hesitant and slow to do that, and I, and I still probably will be. But the guys who are imp- impacted and who want to speak up, um, these current and former Ohio State Buckeyes, and any and you know, it's not just them, but on our platform, they're the ones that have a significant, meaningful voice. And mm-hmm. I'm really glad that we're able to give it to them. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I, you know, I uh, uh, we record this uh, show on Mondays usually. The last couple of weeks, it wasn't the case, but I digress. But I had Durbin Meyer on. Um, recorded our the following uh, conversation that's going to come here in a minute uh, before you had him on uh, there at at your roosters uh, thing yeah. and what I brought what I brought up with him you know we just brought up a lot of things that that he's that he's done during his coaching career but especially over the last uh, since he took over to Ohio State the real life Wednesday program and in the live life the live life program uh, which was maybe a little bit separate from the real life Wednesdays. Uh, where in fact, you know, they talked about these kind of things. He he led a voter registration uh, effort for his college football for his team back in 2016. I got to sit in on that uh, on those four three or four sessions where they had different speakers come in and and talk about you know, how to how to register to vote, why it's important to register to vote, why you better vote, you know, and uh, and then also just finally got to why for African Americans it is so important because of all of the blood, sweat, and tears that went on to get them the right to vote in the first place in our country, along with along with females, and uh, but especially uh, the African Americans. And it was a very, you know, it was very interesting then. And then 
to hear him speak about it is very interesting too. And by the way, before we go to that interview, uh, and we appreciate Urban being on any chance he can get with Letterman Row, man. Uh, I think he appreciates what we do and respects what we do, which is a, a high honor. Uh, but then also uh, after that, I'll, I'll have a little conversation I had with Travion Henderson, uh, the highly rated uh, running back who's uh, already committed to the Ohio State class of 2021, the incredible class that Ohio State's putting together. Ironically, he's from Hopewell, Virginia, which is at the uh, confluence of the James and Appomattox Rivers in Virginia. Uh, it was where uh, Ulysses S. Grant set up his final headquarters in the final push that finally got uh, Robert E. Lee and the Confederacy to uh, surrender way back in 1865 when the battle was over, you know, getting rights for for African Americans in this country and abolishing slavery and stuff. And it's just, you know, it's interesting. He has a, he has a few thoughts on that. We also talk about being a running back too <laughs> and, and what he's been doing over the summer to try to stay in, in shape. Cause just like college programs, high school programs have, have basically been denied use of their facilities and stuff while this COVID-19 pandemic ran its course. And it's, it's a pretty interesting conversation with him too. But you know what, without further ado, let's move to my conversation first with Urban Meyer. And as promised, we're back with Urban Meyer. And Urban, uh, you know, this has been an interesting, um, since we last talked, there have been a lot of interesting incidents uh, happening around the country that have brought really turmoil <laughs> to the United States of America in a lot of ways. It's even hit home in the streets of Columbus. And, uh, you know, I just, as, as all this was going on, I just kept thinking back to those real-life Wednesday programs I sat in that you allowed me to sit in on a couple of times uh, where you guys back in 2016 were talking about how important it was f uh, for everybody to register to vote, but did not just register to vote, to vote, uh, because it was a major election coming up in 2016. You weren't espousing a view one way or the other. But, but what, what was unbelievable to me were the speakers you brought in to explain, especially from an African-American standpoint, the fight it took for African-Americans to just to get civil rights, much less the right to vote in this country. And I'm just, you know, I think a lot of people out there, what compelled you to take those steps? Well, my entire career uh, has been uh, extremely diverse. I think that's one of the great things about college athletics. You know, I, I tell people this all the time, and Earl Bruce used to say this, that the huddle is the most incredible thing, that it's absolute pure meritocracy. It's, 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 everybody's the same. Everybody, you know, gets treated. That's all based on performance. It has nothing to do with your culture, your background, your skin color, your religion. On fourth down and one against your rival, no one's asking that question. And in my entire career, I never looked as a person as whether you're Polynesian, whether you're black, whether you're from the Appalachia, you know, I never looked at that. And I, I go out in the real world now and I, I hear and I see, and I, I can't believe that, you know, that, it's 2020 and, and we're dealing with this. And, and I saw that video the other night of the police officer doing that to George and I, I was blown away. I mean, teared up because, you know, I just can't believe that we're, we're back at this. And so, you know, my life was not very complicated growing up. And as I went on in my journey uh, in coaching and, and it really was instigated when Ferguson was blowing up and Chicago was having all the issues, Baltimore, Maryland was a, you know, the, in ruins and, and then police officers were getting shot. There was, 
uh, police abuse. There was, I mean, all this was going on. On top of that, you're dealing with opiate crisis that I didn't know what opiate was. You're dealing with Title IX issues on campus. And so we started something called Live Life to, to uh, go with our real life. Real Life Wednesdays were all about corporate opportunity, about career opportunity. Live Life was all about how, you, how do you deal with these social issues. Colin Kaepernick is grabbing a knee during the national anthem, and the men and women who serve our country, are it bothered them. It also, I, I just, I wanted to hear from our players. I wanted to learn this so I knew uh, what we're doing. But more as important as that, I wanted our players to educate. I think education and experience are two things that leaders can give players. It's called hope and opportunity. We use that term all the time, hope and opportunity. You take away someone's hope and opportunity, it's combustible. There's bad things happen. And we can't control Ferguson, Baltimore, or even Minneapolis now, but you can have somewhat control over your players and, and give them that hope and opportunity so they can make an impact in the community. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, what, what, what really struck me as I sat through those uh, sessions, though, was, you know, you were opening some eyes, you know, about what it took for African Americans to get the right point. It was, and it's in your lifetime, you know, the civil rights uh, uh, movement, et cetera. And, uh, you know, when, when Johnson was in the office and stuff, uh, you know, that was, you were born in 64. I was born in 54. I lived, I lived in West Alabama, West Alabama, Highway 80 went right by our house. We watched the Freedom Riders go down our road to Selma in the, in the, you know, in the uh, spring and summer of 64. And, uh, and it was amazing living through it. And then we moved to Texas uh, right after that. But, uh, you know, uh, it, it was just a, a, an odd time, a strange time to be growing up because, like you said, you had your own normal life going on, but there was all this other stuff going on. And uh, it, it, yet your players, you know, you know that African-Americans to a certain extent have had a tougher plight, you know, uh, in, in some respect. And I think you've been open, your eyes have been over that too, right? Sure. It all started back. Uh, it, part of it was in 2003, I was hired at Utah. And it was the first time I really dealt with the Polynesian community, uh, the culture of uh, Polynesian yeah. uh, culture. And we had a terrible issue that players were dropping out of school and joining Polynesian gangs in West Salt Lake City. And I remember at Hiram DeFreeze was one of my assistants uh, that helped me with these type of issues. And so we started – well, what we found out is in the, in the Tongan and Samoa that it's, it shows uh, disrespect when you look at your authority, you know, or, or the Kings. And, and so I was like, wait a minute, what? And so I, now I know why our players are struggling in the classroom and in the community. So we, we went on a mission to change that. And we did, we did the, we started real life Wednesdays without even realizing we we're starting it. And we taught the Polynesian community how to, how to work with faculty members, how to talk to people. And, and all of a sudden, instead of now, these, these kids joining gangs, they were getting career opportunities now. And so we did the same thing here when we got to Ohio State is we had one out of three players. We were, you know, they were leaving, they were transferring, they were quitting school. And, and so we, how do you change that? Because every player has a dream of going to the NFL. When that dream is extinguished, a lot of times – they, they lose their hope and opportunity. And so it's our job to make sure there's a very strong plan B. Yeah. In 2016, I wanted our players to be educated on what it meant to vote. You know, I keep hearing people say, vote, 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 vote. I, absolutely. You have the right to vote. You should vote. However, before you vote, be educated. 
learn about the power of your vote. So on Monday, we had people come in and talk about what it means to be a Democrat and a liberal. And then on Tuesday, what it, the, the whole history of the, the political party from A to Z. And I, I learned so much that day. On Tuesday, we had people come in from the Republican and uh, a conservative uh, and the whole foundation, the history of it. On Wednesday, we had uh, people come in from political science department and our government relations people teach everyone what the job of the president of the United States is from executive orders to commander in chief, what the job of a senator is, what the job of a, a member of the house, what's their job. And then on Thursday, your power, we taught every player how to vote, how to register to vote, the history of voting for whites, for blacks, for women, for everybody, and yeah. what, the, what your vote meant. And then, you know, the Electoral College and went through that. And on a Friday, may have been the most powerful because it was right around Memorial Day weekend. We had every player write a letter to the families that had lost a loved one in war and all Ohioans. And that was the feedback. I get choked up right now when I think about the feedback we got from uh, people, you know, who lost loved ones fighting for our country. So I just think I've always yeah. believed I, I've never believed in symbolism. I believe in education and making an impact. And we certainly try to continue to try. Uh, this is an interesting time. Uh, it reminded me, I wrote a story over the weekend uh, where I said it reminds me of the late 60s because, you know, you had the Vietnam War going on. You had man going to the moon. You had riots all over the country, especially after Martin Luther King Jr., was assassinated, uh, you know, and a lot of times it's kind of the same kind of fire. Uh, just number one, Urban, what do you think, especially the African-American players, what's going through their minds right now? Is there, they're also, you know, uh, in a week or so, they're about to get, get to go back to the Woody Hayes Athletic Center and start training a little bit during the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, which is, you know, limited their times together and stuff. But what do you, I don't know. Number one, what do you think is going through their mind? And number two, you as a coach, how would you sort of address these things? Because, you know, they're, they're not just robots. So like I told you, what really impressed me during your time there was the, every year it seemed like the quality of person you were recruiting, not just player, was increasing, was, was getting better. That's not slamming anybody else who ever was there before. But there's no doubt that this is a, an interesting group group of thinking young men that are there now. So you know that, you know, Brian Day knows that. I guess, number one, what do you think those kids are thinking? And number two, how would you address that with them? You know, because obviously they're there to play football, but there's just so much more to it than that. Well, Coach Day and I have had many conversations about this almost every day in the last week because of everything that's going on. And, you know, we do have some experience in, in this last, you know, these last several years of some of the issues that have surfaced. And, and uh, I think yeah. Gene Smith says it best is he always talks about the word respect. And that means respect where people's backgrounds, you know, like I said, I grew up for me to explain racism to people. I, I grew up in East Cleveland. I'm very proud that, you know, it was, I didn't witness it. You know, once again, I never was brought up in an environment because mostly athletics that, it didn't matter your, your race, your, <clears throat> your religion, your culture, your, at the end of the day, we're all teammates. Let's get this, let's get this done. That's one of the, that's the greatest thing about athletics to say it's perfect. It's not perfect. However, yeah. when I look outside of athletics and I hear, and I see, it's hard for me to even put that two and two together. When I first went to Florida, 
That was a, one of the first times when one of my coaches said, I can't go to this area when the sun goes down. And I, I, I remember looking at Charlie Strong, one of my great friends in our defense coordinator. He sat there and I said, what are you talking about? And so that really opened my eyes. And, and I wanted to learn. I listened. You know, Jalen Holmes, one of my favorite players of all time, grew up in a very racist community that he dealt with racism. I wanted to hear these stories. You know, Larry Johnson grew up in rural North Carolina. <clears throat> he shared his story many, many times. Ryan Stamper, he's a police officer, former police officer, played for me in Florida, from Jacksonville, Florida. He's an incredible sounding board because he's a police officer. He's African-American. He's a college athlete. Now he's an administrator, and he has great words of wisdom. So I think transparency, I think respect, I think people want to talk. We, it's our job as leaders to listen and then make sure that we educate. I think Josh Perry is one of the best players, people I've ever been around. I just actually got off the phone with him this morning saying, what can we do, Josh? You know, this is, this is horrific when you see what's going on, and then you start seeing, I saw a police officer shot. I see the uh, maybe over-aggressive uh, against riders, and then I'm seeing people's livelihoods are destroyed in fires and people that's their own life. There has to be, you know, I don't, obviously there's no easy answer and it's going to take time. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, just, just specifically, though, about the players and stuff, did, would, when you had to deal with certain things, like I'm not sure you're ever this, you know, it was everything this, of this magnitude, but it was, there were some challenges. Is the main thing you want to think through, think through what you're going to say to them before you speak to them? Is that – is that part of the uh, regimen for uh, Ryan Day right now? Obviously, he dealt with Colin Kaepernick. I mean, he, he was right there when Colin Kaepernick took his first knee, you know. And uh, But go ahead. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, Ryan, first of all, is brilliant. And he thinks outside the box. And, you know, it's, I don't know if it's my position to say this, but he reached out to some of the families of uh, our players, which I thought is very impactful. Yeah. And I did talk to Chris Holtman as well. And, you know, this, I think, Everyone's looking for answers, and, and for the most part, the internet and the, you know, all that, I'm not sure that's the right place to find the answers. I think amongst each other and listening to each other's stories and educating yourself on what in the world is going on. I need to know what you're thinking. What, what, tell me what you're thinking. And as I shared with many times, we cannot control what goes on in Minneapolis. You can't. You wish you could. We can certainly, and we are entrusted, the young, these young people from these great families, they're giving us to their sons. We are certainly can control and get involved and make sure that you educate and have open dialogue and listen to what's going on. So your focus has to be on your team. And Ryan, Ryan has a great plan, and that has to do with respect, listening, and learning, and then making an impact somehow that we feel is the best way to do it. Hey, last thing uh, with you, and I appreciate you coming on with me again. Uh, I hope to make this a, a, a regular thing in some respects because uh, I've always enjoyed having conversations with you. But uh, like I brought up a while ago, did you, did you guys just purposely start going after a different, uh, a smarter, uh, a more woke, I don't know what the word is you use, type of player, both African-American, white, you know, what, whatever their ethnic background is did did y'all purposely do that or did it just evolve because of the standards that were set at Ohio State, you know, about the academics, et cetera? That's a great question. And what happened is Real Life Wednesdays became uh, really the recruiting tool. 
Obviously, you have the NFL. Obviously, you have the 110,000-seat uh, fantastic stadium. You have championships. Those are all the recruiting, you know, yeah. A, B, C, and D. But we found out A was Real Life Wednesdays, and that means you can actually shake hands and hug a family and say, if your son comes to Ohio State, does what he's supposed to do, compete in a classroom with an average ACT of 30, high, high-end academics, we can guarantee that your son will have a career. All someone had to do when my kids were being recruited to say that, and it was over. It was a wrap. It was done. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, Ohio State started going to Georgia, beat Georgia. We're going into Texas, beat Texas. We're going to Florida, beat Florida. Why is that? You know, we still got the challenges of weather, whatever it may be, and far from home, but we do have something that really no other place has, and that's the Real Life Wednesday. And what you saw happen was the quality of student. You know, now we're recruiting against the Stanford. We're recruiting against high, high-end academic schools because – the, the quality of player not only wants to be a first-round draft pick and win a, win a ring, he wants that job. He mm-hmm. wants a career. And so the level and quality of player, you're right, I'm not ashamed to say that, uh, has really increased. But, you know, what, what comes with, with that kind of player, too, is an awareness of what's going on in the world. You know, they're not just, you know, like Malcolm Jenkins is one of my favorite people of all time. You know, you know what he's all about, you know, on and off the field now and stuff. And uh, uh, that, as a coach and staff, as a coach, you have to evolve with that, too, right? That they're, they're, they want more than the X's and O's. Especially, like you said, the higher-end, well-educated, well-thought-out, uh, student athlete, they want their voice to be heard, and guess what we do? Let them. I want to hear it. Yeah. And this, I can I can speak on behalf of our coaching staff. We learn more from our players than they ever learned from us, and especially the ones that are so well thought out. And I use the term Josh Perry for just because I, I'm thinking of him right now. Yeah. What he's taught myself and our players and, and our staff is priceless. And I, I just I think that's the biggest issue right now in society. Listen, the big R word, like Gene Smith always says, respect and listen. It's amazing what you'll learn. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, Urban Meyer, uh, one of a kind. Urban, thank you very much for joining me. And uh, at this really challenging, tough time, I think, for coaching staffs, not just coaching staffs, but people around the country, but, uh, you know, just the, the brass tacks of how, you know, coaches have to go about things in these kind of situations. And you're right. I mean, respect and listen or if everybody could adopt that philosophy for the next couple of weeks, oh, what a different world it would be, right? Yeah, and I, I just – I'm not sure Twitter is the – you know, what statement are you going to put out? And I, I, it's almost yeah. – you know, I was talking to Ryan Day and Chris Holtman about that. I think that's fine, and I guess that's a way of life now. But I think even more important is get in front of your players. You know, the, those players need – if you're their leader, which you are, you need to be in front of those players and you need to listen and show respect and learn. And I, that's, you can't do that typing out on something on Twitter. You just can't do that. You can certainly, and it's even harder now with the virus because of the lockdown. But as soon as yeah. these players get back, I know Coach Day is going to be all over this. And it's not going to be because of he's typing something on social media. It's going to be because he has great respect for the plan, families and our players. Urban Meyer, thank you very much. Thanks for joining me, man. Let's do it again, okay? Sure. Thanks, Tim. Thank you, man. Yeah, we always appreciate Urban Meyer dropping by anytime, any place, right? Right, Austin? Without a doubt. Uh, if he wants to uh, do that every single week with you and, and take my place, hey, he's Urban Meyer and he's got three national championship rings. That's fine. I understand. Yeah, but I've already got a wingman. I've already got a wingman on uh, driving this herd. But uh, but he is a guy to listen to, right? I mean, uh, 
he's got a lot of experience. He's got a record to back it up. Yeah, and I think that he also has a little bit different perspective now as he's pulled back a little bit, and and you and I, you know, covered him every day for those seven you know, prolific decorated years, and and it was some days you could tell that all he was thinking about really was third and five. And he wasn't, you know, necessarily paying a lot of attention at all, all the time to those um, social issues or the government or voting. And, and you and I, you, you brought up that we got to see that Patriot week in, in 2016 and, and take part in that and see the quizzes and all that stuff that they did all week. I think you skipped the test at the end of the week. Yeah. You, you weren't there. I had to go back to Indianapolis. Uh, they were having the, getting ready for the Indianapolis 500 that week. But I think that there has been a shift in him, certainly from 2012, even to 16, and now uh, 2019 and, and forward, now that he's a little bit more removed from thinking and, and drawing up X's and O's all day and recruiting on the phone, that um, this guy became one of the best ever to do it in his profession because of his passion and, and intensity and drive. And now he's sort of got he's, – he's channeling that into all these other things, but one of them is – you know, paying attention to what's going on in the world. And I think that's not to suggest that he's never done that before in his life. He has, but yeah. now he has more, more time to devote to that. And I think, you know, when you've talked to him on your, on your podcast in the last couple of weeks, it's becoming more clear that he is starting, I think, to you know, embrace that sort of ambassador role for college football yeah. and applying it to bigger picture stuff. And here's the thing about Urban. Uh, Urban's the first to admit he's made mistakes, you know, in his career. I mean, in his life, et cetera. But you learn from them, right? And then number two, you know, the thing about Urban Meyer that I've, I was intrigued by is when he, when, he, when he focuses on something like you're talking about third and five, he wants to know all the possibilities. <laughs> when he focuses on educating his team about the civil rights uh, movement, uh, the Voter Rights Act, all these kind of things. He focused big time. He had Ryan Stamper, as he points out, really helped him immensely. Ryan Stamper, you know, former cop, you know, former football player, a, a rising administrator, a guy who has been on all three or four sides of the track when it comes to, you know, uh, understanding how players feel, understanding how coaches feel, and understanding how administrators feel, and understanding how policemen feel. Mm -hmm. And I mean, Wow, there's the guy that's coordinated these these uh, real life Wednesdays and live life Wednesdays uh, for the football program since almost since Urban's been there was was there. Of course, Urban's gone now. Ryan Day has taken up the cause and uh, definitely has kept real life Wednesdays because of the value they bring. But Urban, when he decides to focus on a subject, it's a laser it's a laser like focus. He reads all he can read about it, or you know, feasibly. And uh, you know, when I was in taking part in those listening to those real life Wednesdays, if you remember, he quizzed everybody the day after to see if they were paying attention the day before. I'm talking about players. He even asked me a question one time. Hey, Tim, you're not here just to listen. And you remember, I, I knew the answer about, about uh, Harry S. Truman and giving uh, and uh, abolishing uh, segregation in the, uh, in the uh, military uh, right after World War II. So uh, it's really, it's really, I've always found him to be very, very interesting in all kinds of ways. And now he's turning his sights on maybe, educating more than just his football team, which I think is, for one of a, another way of putting it, terrific. And, uh, and speaking of that, you know, let's just get right real quickly, and we'll talk some more after, after this next guest. But I had Travion Henderson on, a young man who's going to be part of the Hosty football program a year from now, uh, maybe the best running back prospect in the country, 
definitely one of the top three. You got to figure based on the ratings uh, from Hopewell, uh, Virginia. And I've already talked about him before we went to the Urban Meyer talk, but just want to get, kind of get his feel. And remember, he's a he's still a teenager. You know, he's maybe his his depth of expression maybe isn't what it will be three or four years from now. But it's clear he's thinking about things too. But also, he's able to keep his focus on what he wants to do this coming year, which is lead Hopewell to another state championship. And you know, I think they're favored to do so. You know why? Because they've got Travion Henderson, you know, which is kind of like in Georgia when they had, where the high school was, had Herschel Walker, you know. So, uh, you know, hey, without further ado, let's get to my uh, talk with Travion Henderson, and we'll be back to talk a little bit about that and then kind of summarize. And as promised, ladies and gentlemen, a special guest on here now, Trevion Henderson. If you don't know him yet, you're going to know him uh, if you're an Ohio State fan especially. Trevion, thanks for joining us. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm going to call you Trey from now on, man. I just like to I'd be formal to begin with and informal if you follow my drift. Uh, you know, this is a, you know, you're in Hopewell, Virginia, as I pointed out to you when we were talking about this before. I mean, uh, you let us this grant some main headquarters for the, for the really the final push of the Civil War was like uh, probably five minutes from your house right, you know, where you're living right now and stuff between Petersburg and, and Richmond, Indiana. Uh, he got the job done. But, you know, we, we think this country's come a long way from the 1860s. Uh, and yet here we are again, Trey, with, with some really challenging times for African-Americans out there and just people yeah. in general. And I don't know if, if you had a message for people right now, you know, you're a young man, but sometimes uh, philosophy comes out of young mouths. What, what would it be about what, what we're seeing right now, what we're experiencing? Uh, we're definitely experiencing some crazy times. There's a lot going on right now, like with the pandemic, then we got the murder of George Floyd, I think that's how you pronounce his name. So yeah. we're definitely just going through a lot of crazy times. So like, I just want to tell people like, just be safe out here because there's definitely some crazy stuff going on. You know, as a young man, I, I grew up in the uh, in the uh, I was I'm 66 years old. Lived in West Alabama till I was uh, 11 years old, which meant uh, the Freedom Riders came by my. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard about, it, but the Freedom Riders came by our house on U.S. Highway 80, headed for Selma you know, yeah. in Demopolis, Alabama, on their way to uh, Selma and in Montgomery. And uh, so I witnessed a lot of things before we moved to Texas when I was a youngster. And I'm just wondering, are you trying to take this all in now, that what's going on around you, what's going on around the country, trying to make some sense of it? Yeah, I'm definitely taking it all in one at a time. And what, what's just your take on it? I mean, is it, do you think this, do you think we're headed in the right direction that, uh, that there is a dialogue going on now that should take us to where we want to be? What's, what's just your take on that? Uh, I, I don't think we're heading in the right direction. We got a lot to improve in, but God got us, though. God got us all. Yeah. Have you, have you in your young life ever experienced any kind of racial discrimination up to this point? Uh, not really. Somewhat yesterday I met somebody who, who I felt that was kind of racist, like we were working out. And this man, he came to us just talking to us all negative and stuff. My friends come talk to them all the time because, like, we're black. So and he was white. He said he come talk to them all the time and just say negative things, like very negative. Wow. Wow. Sometimes, yeah. you, sometimes you do have to turn the other cheek, right, and just move on. Everybody's not like that, as you well know, right? Yeah, although they, they're negative to you, I just stay positive. There you go. Well, that, I think that's 
that's probably the linchpin right there. Stay positive. And as uh, John, uh, as Urban Meyer, I had him on my show earlier today, uh, said, and, uh, and Gene Smith, the athletic director of Ohio State, have said, uh, you know, respect and listen are the two key words right now. Respect the other guy, listen to what he has to say, et cetera. And uh, speaking of listen, now I'll just jump right into football real quick. What have you been doing to stay sharp? Because uh, I would imagine you guys have kind of been locked out of your high school workouts, just like Ohio yeah. State players have had to find other places to work out. Just what, how have you, as a premier running back in the country, what have you done to kind of stay sharp? Uh, so I've been working out like all day, every day. Like I work out like two, three times a day on the track, lifting, then football. So that's pretty much what I do. And then I come home, like when once I have like break time, I come home and just play on a game or something, watch Netflix, read, things like that, trying to educate myself. Well, everybody has to chill, man. I even chill myself yeah. a lot. I'm semi-retired now, so I have the ability to do that. But uh, uh, do, you, do you worry, though, about as a team, y'all losing a little bit of chemistry, not being able to, like, maybe work out a whole lot together during this time? And, we'll, you know, as you step back into it in the next couple of months, and you're going to be a leader of a defending state champion, you know, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. What, what's going to be kind of your message to your teammates? Uh, I just hope they're they're working hard over this break. This is definitely a good time to get better. I mean, right now, probably right now, we would have been together as one whole, and this would have been the time to, like, build that chemistry, that bond together and get tight. Yeah. That's what I say. You know, the, the funny thing about high school and college football teams, they're always different the next year. You know, no matter how good you were, no matter how many guys are coming back, there are guys who have left. Sometimes they – they mean more to the glue of a team than you think, you know, and you have to find that chemistry in the offseason. That's one of the, you know, is one of the things that attracted you to Ohio State, I know you, a lot of things did, is Mickey Marotti one of those fellows that you're interested in being in his program, you know, the strength and conditioning guy? Just what, what oh, kind of impact did he make? Go ahead. Definitely. Uh, I've I seen, like, I seen, like, pictures of, like, how players come in before and how they end up coming out after. And he definitely developed them to be Strong, fast, quick, all of that. Yeah, I, I, I keep I've kidded him a couple of times. You know, he could make a lot, a lot of money if he had one of those. Uh, you know, you see those on internet sites. You know, before and after. You know, yeah. he could make a lot of money if he just kind of packaged what he uh, did, right? But he's, you know, he's used to working with high-profile, energetic uh, guys who want to be better today yeah. than they were yesterday, and want to be better tomorrow than they were today. You seem to yeah. fit that bill. How long have you had that run, that desire, that? Uh, that champing at the bit, for lack of another term, to to get better. Oh, since I was younger, I've been like I started playing football since I was younger. And I always, like, I just wanted to do more. I felt like it was it's never enough. Like scoring this amount of touchdowns is never enough. Like winning this much championships is never enough. I always wanted more for myself. Do you ever look back at that uh, highlight tape from last year and go, "Do you ever watch your own highlights? Do you?" Do you ever go, is that really me out there doing that? Uh, so my highlights got like over 100,000 views, and I think I'm probably I'm probably like 50,000 other views because I want yeah. to like, can I do the same thing next year? So Yeah, because yeah, more, the more you do something, the more people know you're coming, right? So yeah. like the target gets larger and stuff. Where do you think – where do you think you – where do you think you can improve? What, is it just awareness? What, what, you know what I mean? Because you know people are going to be cut, gunning for you more, more than ever. What, yeah. Where do you think you really can improve more than anything else, Trey? 
Uh, I like saying Trevion, by the way. I think that sounds cooler, but go ahead. Yeah, I'm not sure what I can prove. I'm, I've been trying to figure that out, but, like, I always work on all parts of my game. I'd probably say one thing I need to improve in more is probably pass protection. Yeah, yeah. Well, believe me, if you don't, you will once you get to Ohio State. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you don't have it. Coach Alford, I mean, that's one of the things of getting on the field is uh, showing you're willing to, to at least – Fake like you're blocking. <laughs> uh, hey, uh, real quick, since you committed to Ohio State, how I many – I would think a lot of these high-profile teams that were coming after you didn't just say, okay, see you later. Uh, how tough has it been to stay committed? So, to, or I know you've stayed committed, so it's not tough for you, but, but to have all that attention still coming after you, you know? Oh, uh, so once I committed, like, it hasn't really been a lot of schools coming at me. Like, it has, but I don't hit them back because, like, I'm committing. Like, Ohio State is the place I want to be, so I don't never think about decommitting or thinking about another team. Like, my focus is all on Ohio State. Yeah. You know, uh, I had Coach Meyer on, like I told you earlier today, and one of the things he brought to Ohio State, which I found so fascinating, first you kind of go, what's this? And then you, I just got to sit in on quite a few of the sessions of the Real Life Wednesdays. And the yeah. Live Life Wednesdays, which I know you're aware of. What yeah. was it about those things that attracted attracted you and your parents? I mean, what 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 was it that stood out about just that concept? Because that really has nothing to do with football. It has to do with life yeah. after football. Yeah, so it shows, like, how much effort they put into their players trying to help their players out for life after football and things like that. Uh, yeah, but you know, is, is that – did other did other places recruiting you have similar programs or was Ohio State kind of unique in that regard? No, like the programs I went to, like they had nothing like it. Like I didn't see nothing like Real Life Wednesdays. Yeah. So that once, once I ahead. seen Life Wednesday video, like at that moment I knew I wanted to commit. Like once I seen that video. Wow. See, that's weird because you would think it'd be the way they run their running backs. You know, I mean, uh, no. yeah, the zone read option and things. That would be what would be firing you up but it's it's the real life Wednesdays is it yeah it was, it was more about like how they're how they're so close together how their family like how they got their family type bond together real life Wednesdays all that stuff yeah hey last thing you know I, I saw where uh, you were uh, tweeting with another uh, a fellow running back in, in your class you know about how you know you don't be you know, you don't really need to be chasing players out there when you're recruiting in your Ohio State. You ought to be willing to show up. You don't really want the guys. You have to beg to come and stuff. What is it about? What, what, what just what makes you think that way? And what is it about Ohio State do you think that makes it special in that regard right now, Trey? So I feel like most recruits seem like our Buckeye Nation is so strong, like on on the media and things, and like people can get so many followers off Buckeye Nation. So I feel like recruits. Like, they don't even like like Ohio State for real. They just put us in their top scores for, like, followers or to get, like, interactions off posters and things like that. So that's that's what we were mainly talking about. We talked about that with the recruits. Like, we know these recruits don't even want to come to us. They're just using us for, like, clout. Yeah. No, I'm kind of associated with these guys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was Evan Pryor I was talking about a while ago. You know, being 66, sometimes names slip my, slip my mind. Okay, I've gotten to cover. I've gotten to cover. I've gotten to know like Earl Campbell, and uh, I got to cover Billy Sims a couple of times, and uh, you know Adrian Peterson, and right on down the line through my yeah. career and stuff. 
what am I going to see out of you that's, that's going to tell me uh, this guy, because every one of these guys are different. Archie Griffin was different from George Rogers, was different from you know Eddie George, uh, was different from Zeke Elliott. What am I going to see out of you that you think that's going to make you stand out or be different from those guys? Shoot, like all those guys you named were great, very great running backs. So I'm not even sure how to answer that. I know, I know. I just wanted to see what you'd say because beauty <laughs> is in the eye of the beholders, they say, you know? Yeah. But I will tell you this, what, what stands out to me when I watch your video highlights and like somebody, I remember seeing a review of your highlights one time, somebody said, you know, he didn't get tackled for 10 minutes, you know, <laughs> on the highlights. But what, what your elusiveness, but your, you seem to have a, a vision that I think the great backs have that the good ones don't. I mean, and uh, the ability to avoid the big hit, which is key, by the way, as you yeah. all know. And, uh, but then also, what I, I, with J.K. Dobbins last year, you could see it. He lost that what I call forward lean about him for some reason or another as a sophomore that came back for him as a junior, meaning the desire you could see to get a yard when there's no yard there. And yeah. where does that come from? Uh, I, work, I work on it a lot. Like, like I said, I work on every part of my game. I look at my film all the time to see, like, what can I improve in more? So I work on everything. I would like power, it being explosive, my vision, my cuts, like everything. Yeah, your explosion is one of the things that really stands out to me. And that's the last thing. I know I always say last thing, but it's my calling card. I always have one more question because you provoke me. People provoke me, man. <laughs> but yeah. I want to ask the last thing. Uh, when did you realize that not only you were pretty good as a football player, but that it – was maybe better than than the guys around you and that it could take you places if you kept working at it. Yeah. When did that become a reality to you? Uh mainly I'll probably say in my eighth grade my eighth grade year. And and what 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 was that game? What was that moment? What was that series of games or practices where to take me back there, what do you what you're thinking, you know, as you juke a guy and then outrun him to the edge or are you juke a guy and then run over his arm, you know, or run through him. What was it that you felt set you apart? Uh, I'm not even, it's, it's, it's just my mentality for real. Like I got that, we call it the dog mentality on the field. Like just running, running with anger, taking all that pain out on the field that you've been going through all that type of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is the key is to switch it on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Trey, speaking of switching on, I'm going to switch you off now, man. But I really appreciate you coming on my podcast. And, uh, yeah. you know, I think Ohio State fans, they're really eager to see what you're all about. I mean, you're coming to an all-star program. You know, it's you're going to be going from playing for Hopewell, which, you know, you're the big man on the, on campus, I would think, to, you know, you're going to be among the elite. But that's the challenge you want, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, well, definitely. Well, why does that drive you? Uh, I just feel like I got something to prove. Like, people people around think, like, we don't play nobody, but we play some of the best teams around here. But they just don't see that on film because I, I don't understand why. But, yeah, yeah, that's why – that's the reason I'm going to go to Ohio State to prove myself. Well, as I always like to say, I don't care what high school you played at, what, what level it was, the yep. great players always, always stand out on the high school level. And there's no doubt about that with you. Trey, thanks for coming on, my man. And we're going to talk to you some more, okay, uh, later on down the road.
All right. Thanks for having me. All right. Have a good day. Thank you. All right. Yeah. You know, Austin, even young, young po folks are paying attention to what's going on in the world and yet they have their whole lives ahead of them as Trevion Henderson kind of pointed out in that interview. And, uh, uh, but there's no doubt that as much as these football players are really into what's going on in the world right now, you know, they also have other goals in mind. And, uh, and you know, he's working hard to have the best senior season he can have it at Hopewell, uh, Virginia. And, uh, and I think you're going to see the same sort of focus by the Ohio State football players when they start coming back in a week uh, to try to get back into shape under the direction of Mickey Marotti. And, of course, he'll only be nine or ten at a time able to do that until things get more relaxed. But uh, it is an interesting uh, time from a focus standpoint for these players, right? Yeah. <clears throat> and it's you, you kind of teed that up earlier with Travion Henderson and, and you know, learning and becoming more expressive. It's, it's funny to think just about how much has changed in – the world in two and a half months when Berm and I, our last road trip that we were able to take when we were trying to hit, you know, hit up that swing. We, we went to Hopewell to meet Travion Henderson shortly before yeah. he committed and then went down to North Carolina to, to meet Evan Pryor. I mean, these guys uh, were really impressive young men, but they're still, you know, a little bit shy. And, and for Travion, it seems like he's becoming more comfortable with the spotlight, uh, but nothing, you know, the the attention that you get, even as the number one running back recruit in the country, is not still not the same until you get, you know, you're an Ohio State running back, and the weight of the world is is crushing down on you. It feels like, but he's already, you know, dealing with some of that and seems to handle it really well. Um, and it's it's just a little bit it's crazy now that we're coming back out of this, and he goes on your podcast, and then it's great that we've been able to get some perspective on him throughout throughout all this, but. You know, you're yeah. talking about these players trying to stay in shape. I mean, it's not – this is going to be a huge challenge for them. You're nine or ten kids at a time and leaving the facility open all day. I actually went down on campus um, Monday afternoon and around the Woody just to see, you know, what was there, if there was equipment out, if they were cleaning what was going on. And you could you could tell it, it's not – it doesn't really look ready for business yet. So that was just June 1. But, you know, you had – five or six people running around with masks on and, um, you know, mm -hmm. cleaning and getting out tackling dummies and setting up stations where they're going to be spread apart and exercise bikes. Uh, it's a, it's going to be a big, it's a big challenge and it's a big undertaking anytime that you have a hundred football players and now they have to find a way to do it with nine or 10, which would seem like it would be easier, but it's actually more complicated um, yep. when you're taking up the entire day. And it's just, it's really crazy to try and wrap your mind around everything that they've got going on right but now. But these guys are so eager to get back. I'm talking about the players and the coaches. They know what's in front of them. They know this could be a special team. And it's interesting that I brought up the fact in that story that this reminds, reminds me of the late 1960s because we all know what happened in the late 1960s with all everything that was going on, the, the uh, protests against the Vietnam War, the race riots, uh, and, you know, and the Vietnam War and the space race, et cetera, uh, Neil Armstrong walking on the moon, et cetera. Uh, Ohio State won a national championship in 1968. <laughs> 1969, almost won two in a row, but, you know, we know the bushwhack that happened at Michigan. Uh, 1970, one of the great teams ever, you know, didn't get it done against Stanford in the Rose Bowl, but that was one of the great – my point was 
when it was time to play football, those guys figured out how to play football, you know, to zero in on football. And of course, Woody Hayes was, was the coach then. But uh, uh, I think everybody, I think a lot of these people have a way to compartmentalize what's going on. But what is striking to me, and Urban and I talked about this too, is this is 50 years later. And we're still talking about many of the same things when it comes to race relations uh, in this country and also with the, uh, you know, the big problem right now is what happened between uh, law enforcement or the police and these people that were involved and or a vigilante would-be cop, uh, as was the case down in Georgia. Uh, man, just, just, I know, I've known quite a few policemen in my time or some of the great guys I've ever met, you know, but there was no denying that video in Minnesota when a cop had his knee on a guy's neck who was complaining he couldn't breathe and three other cops just watched it and didn't try to step in, didn't do, you know, weren't rebuffed by the guy, never tried to step in. And it's no matter no matter where you fall on this, you can't get past that of one guy doing wrong and three others watching while he did it. And that's what's really troubling, I think, for most, for many people. Uh, you know, the thing that happened in Louisville with the, with the young lady was really awful. I mean, wrong place or, you know, they already had the other guy, the other guy they were looking for in custody. I mean, and you go in shooting. I mean, it's crazy stuff. So, uh that's what people are having trouble with. And it's hard to explain that and just get everybody to go, oh, well, because, you know, there's been a lot of going, expecting people to go, oh, well, for, I said, 50 years, for really 150 years and uh, more than that. Uh, so that's why we are where we are, you know. And speaking of youngsters finding their voice, Malcolm Jenkins wasn't, I'd call, wasn't what I'd call a, just a chatty Cathy terrific interview when he first showed up at Ohio State. You see what he's become, a big-time spokesman for what I think is right in the world, for doing right. And uh, so these, that's the great thing about a place like Ohio State is in these real-life Wednesdays, like Urban said in that podcast, and Gene Smith reminds him all the time, uh, the two words you want to have in your mind when you're dealing with youngsters or young people anymore is you want to show respect and you want to listen. And that has to do with everybody in your life. But like, like Urban said, they learn as much or more from the young people they're dealing with and probably vice versa, <laughs> yeah, because it's ever-changing. And uh, that's, that's where Ohio State is right now. I think they're, they've been ahead of the game. I'm, just, I'm not trying to brag about Ohio State. That's a, the program I've covered for forever, it seems like. But I just – the real-life Wednesday programs, but then past that, just the way they've conducted their business, you know, with Gene Smith talking about having a mother who was a – Grew up in uh, the rural in the rural South and had to step off the curb whenever a white person came walking at her on the sidewalk, and then he, he rises uh, and becomes an athletic director of probably the most uh, definitely the most powerful athletic department in the country in terms of of budget resources et cetera. A major a major domo he is in the athletic world, the college athletic world in the nation. It shows that they're the possibilities are there, you know, if we could just all embrace them and give everyone a chance. And I think, you know, when you, when you bring up the video, you know, something, 
trying to figure out the right way to talk, to talk about this and understand it. Like I said, like, you know, my wife, uh, you know, Allie Ward features writer for the Columbus Dispatch is we're having this conversation and, you know, she's saying, well, you know, it's some of the stuff they're dealing with has been going on for those 50 years or longer, as you said, and Mm -hmm. the difference now is that, uh, it can all be recorded by anyone on the street and now we get to see it because I just don't, I don't see how anyone could watch that video and not see that it's wrong. Um, and it's sickening and it's disheartening. And then when you're talking about these people now that we know uh, that Gene Smith would do anything that anyone ever asked him to do. He's one of the most caring, giving people that you're going to find. Do I always agree hundred percent with the decisions he makes as an athletic director? No, I do not but we can also talk about that like men and we have respect for each other and and where we're coming from. Um, And on this position, I can't have an argument against it. If he says this is what they need to do and he understands anyone Seth Towns wants to protest and stands fully behind that, I will too. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's not a matter of me thinking that Thad Mata needed to be let go a year or two earlier or, or whatever, where I can have a sports opinion. This isn't that. I don't, I don't come at this from a position of firsthand experience or knowledge. So these people, these players that I respect so much, Gene Smith, uh, Larry Johnson, Tony Alford, Al Washington, um, every player that I've, you know, since I've been covering this team, mm-hmm. you know, they, say, they say this is uh, important and necessary. I understand why because I've seen the video. I, to understand what is the next step and – what needs to be done to help change it. I'm going to let them lead the way and teach. That's just, that's where I'm at. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good way to end it because uh, that's the way Ohio State's going to approach it. That's the way most people should approach it is don't just go off uh, half cock, you know? I mean, uh, and, uh, and, and also just because somebody's urging you to throw a table through a window, that doesn't mean you have to do it. <laughs> and, and, and you should go turn that person in because that person is not fighting for the same rights you are. Uh, if you follow my my drift on that, and you know, I just that's what just bugs me is you can have protests uh, without violence, and uh, you have to sometimes put yourself in the minds of policemen too because they've been going at this night after night after night. Uh, they get tired too. They get tired of. Uh, telling someone what to do and then they don't do it, you know, which even I was brought up when a policeman tells you something, you adhere to it. Uh, Then if he's a bad guy, then bad on him, you know, if it's bad intentions, bad on him. But uh, there has to be authority somewhere. But like I said, the video, uh, it's it's not too bad. I'm glad the video's out there. I'm glad that there is a conversation going on but you can have a conversation without setting fires to buildings and uh, pillaging stores that uh, that are literally innocent bystanders, the the owners of whom are in this whole situation. So that's where I stand with that. It just the whole thing sickens me. But it really sickens me that uh, I'm 66 years old, was born and raised in the South, have lived in the North now since 1976, and these conversations are still going on because I watched the whole development of civil rights, et cetera. I mean, I was part of a grand experiment in Lufkin uh, when they had, I was part of a driver's education school when they were working to, to desegregate the schools there. And I went over and took my uh, driver's ed 
at the African-American school, which, by the way, was maybe the best high school football team in the state of Texas, Lufkin Dunbar. Coach Hall is one of them still – he passed away many years ago. Still one of the favorite – my favorite people I ever met. One of my best friends in high school was a kid named Bobby Austin. And uh, and it's just amazing to me that that still people are looked at differently in this life for all kinds of reasons, most of which don't make sense. And most of which, if you were on the other side, you would understand, too, why there is still angst and disgust uh, on that side. But, you know, I could get going and talk forever about this because I have, have all kinds of experiences and, and thoughts on it. And it really still, it bothers me to this day. I'm just glad I've covered sports most of my life because we see, like Urban Meyer said in the, my podcast here, we see what happens when, when guys get in a huddle, you know. They're, they're all, they're football players. Go, go win the game and uh, go score the touchdown, go stop somebody. And uh, that's the great thing about sports. That's why we need sports maybe now more than ever. But with that said, with that said, this is Tim May for uh, Boston. You know him as Austin Ward. Tim May Podcast. We'll be back again next week, hopefully with something else interesting to talk about. Until then, see you then. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.